welcome. You're listening to an audio series dedicated to helping you get to know your 2022 candidate for San Mateo County Sheriff, Chief of the City of Millbrae, Captain Christina Corpus. Christina has a vision for a safer, diverse, and inclusive Sheriff's Office, both for the officers and the communities they serve. Christina believes the best way to serve her community is to collaborate and connect with it. So she is here today and will be speaking with us bi-weekly to meet you, hear you, share her story with you, and answer any questions you might have about the San Mateo County Sheriff's Office, the role of law enforcement in your community, and how she will serve our communities as a sheriff we can be proud of. My name is Jacqueline Ayenje. I'm a doctoral candidate specializing in communications, but more importantly, I'm a lifelong resident of San Mateo County, and I'll be facilitating today's conversation. Hello everyone, this week's episode is unique from past episodes. In honor of Human Trafficking Awareness Month, we will be discussing human trafficking in the Bay Area and have invited an additional guest to join this week's episode. Elizabeth Carose is a victim's advocate and drugs alcohol counselor and shares her experiences as a human trafficking survivor in the Bay Area. Today, Elizabeth is a Sonoma State University graduate and a co-founder of the Redemption House of the Bay Area a nonprofit organization dedicated to assisting survivors of human trafficking in getting back to a functional, productive, and healthy lifestyle. Given the nature of this episode, we wouldn't recommend it for younger audiences. We would also like to let any listeners who may have suffered physical, emotional, or sexual abuse know that some of the content in this episode may be triggering. You may notice that the audio for today's episode is a little inconsistent due to each individual needing to record while traveling, but we thank you in advance for your understanding. For more information on human trafficking and resources from the Redemption House, please visit the show notes on Christina's website, www.christinacorpus.com media. I've known Elizabeth for many years and actually the last time I had seen her was quite a few years ago. And, uh, you know, she was in when the, well, the last time she was in custody, which is probably more than 10 years ago. But and I think Elizabeth could probably confirm that. But when I saw her a few years ago, I want to say four years ago now, I didn't even recognize her. Like I didn't recognize her because she looked completely different. Mm-hmm. And, and and it was just inspiring to see where she was in life. And, and then now to follow her and, you know, through her educational journey and you know she's you know she's going to school right now to get to obtain her master's degree which is just amazing yeah yeah so do you want to first start off just by getting an overview of like the history and the current state of human trafficking in san mateo county yeah i can i can do that you know there's different when you think of human trafficking a lot of people think that it has something to do with you know more more sexual or like um you know, people being almost like a form of prostitution. And there is some truth to that. The ways that people are are lured into that is a little bit different. And, and but then there's also, you know, when people are brought over um, from another country and at times it's false promises that they're given, you know, for this bright future here in the U.S. And, and then they are forced in it to work and forced to work to barely be fed and sometimes to 
you know, um, only be able to go out when you have to go to work. And then otherwise you're, you know, you're kind of held up in a home or, or some type of a space. And so there's different forms of, of human trafficking. And I think that what needs to be done is some more awareness around that and really some more education around it. Because a lot of times parents are really unaware of what the signs are that maybe somebody is, um, you know, trying to kind of persuade or, 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 you know, mold their child into doing something. And a lot of times um, it's the kids that are vulnerable that um, are affected by it. And, uh, you know, so I think more awareness, more education is really important. And, you know, I think we need to do more of it because I, I, I feel that some people know about human trafficking, but not a lot of people know about it. And, and then really, what does that look like in San Mateo County, right? So I think it would be beneficial for us to have more education and awareness and training around human trafficking. So people are aware and they can really see the signs of when maybe someone is getting lured into, into, that, into that world, right? So absolutely. And I think, I know we talk about, you said awareness and training, but I think also you know, the term awareness also goes for the public, right? And I, I don't know about other San Mateo County residents, but I think sometimes our county can feel like a little bit of a bubble. And I'm sure that some people listening to this might be shocked to hear that it happens in San Mateo County. So as unfortunate as it is, I'm glad that this episode can shed, shed a light on that and kind of bring attention to it and I think it's going to be very shocking, but very eye-opening to a lot of people to listen to this episode and hear what both of you have to share. Yeah, I, I definitely think that sometimes, you know, we live in a very um, affluent county and we sometimes are, you know, yeah, we're in a bubble. And, and I think sometimes everybody is so busy that it's not at the forefront, right? It doesn't seem like it's an issue. Uh, and you may have heard the word here or there, but... When you think about San Mateo County, you don't think that we're affected at all. But, you know, we do have cases and it does exist. And, you know, with community engagement and, and getting the word out there and, and really honing in on just what that looks like and what human trafficking is and all the different forms is important. And it'll be beneficial, especially to parents that their children may, may be vulnerable to, you know, a form of human trafficking. Yeah. So I can share with you a case that we had in San Mateo County where, you know, it, it was a, a juvenile. So, you know, her mother wanted a better life for her and she had a friend who was in the U.S. And the friend had said, you know, I'll take her in. We'll give her a better life. She can um, get her education. And then, you know, somewhere down the line, she can work. And then so the mother trusted this individual and. So the 14-year-old comes over to the United States from El, from El Salvador, and um, her mother thought what she was sending her off to have a better life and to be educated. And um, so she immediately is um, put to work. Her documents were changed to show that she was older, that she was um, actually 18. And um, she was working at a restaurant and not allowed to go to school. And was fed, not when she was hungry, but, you know, when she was offered food. And um, that was far few and in between. So she, you know, sometimes would sneak a meal in at the restaurant. But 
it was actually uh, the woman that brought her over actually called law enforcement to say that she wouldn't she wasn't coming home on time from work. So, you know, law enforcement went to the restaurant and um, the deputy was able to have a conversation with the young girl and kind of convince her to get in his patrol car so he could take her home. And she broke down and cried and said that she was only 14 and really just told the whole story of how she came over and that she was not allowed to go to school and that her birth certificate had been altered by these individuals. And we were able, you know, to get her resources and get her to a family member in another part of the United States. But that's just like one small story of like somebody that could have been missed and it could have become very different outcome if, you know, law enforcement didn't get involved and, and, and we weren't able to offer her those resources. So that's just a small story of the things that do exist in our county. And more people just need to be aware and we need to make it more of a priority and to really have people be able to recognize the signs. Yeah. And how brave that girl must have been for a 14 year old, (laughs) right? Like not only the great, like the coincidence and thank God that the law enforcement was there, but her to be brave enough to come out like that. You can't, I don't think you could expect everyone to be able to do that even when presented the opportunity. So, and hopefully, as you said, as you, as you and Elizabeth and everyone who's part of this keeps working to increase awareness, I'm hoping that this isn't an issue that people can turn, continue to turn a blind eye to. Yeah. I, like, I think we've kind of talked over and over about is that I just think that a lot of people are just unaware of, you know, human trafficking and, and, we do, we just need to be more aware of it and we need to, you know, we need to protect people and uh, it does exist. And so luckily for that individual, for that young girl, we were, you know, we were able to find, uh, you know, a family member that was in another part of the United States, but she was brave because imagine being 14 in a foreign country. No, I could not imagine. Yeah. I do give credit to the deputy that, uh, you know, was compassionate and um, was empathetic with her and took, took time to talk to her. And, you know, and she must have trusted him because uh, she was able to tell him the story. So yeah. uh, kudos to, to, to that deputy. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a whole, that's a whole separate podcast. Let's discuss like creating safe environments for dealing with, <laughs> for talking to people <laughs> and whatnot. Yes. Cause I kind of, I like what Captain Corpus was saying with a little bit of my story. So for trafficking, so for me growing up, I didn't know what was happening to me with trafficking. I was very unaware because at that time when, when I was experiencing it, it, there was no resources out there. Like nobody knew about it. You know, yeah, it, uh, it does happen. One person being transported from one country, one country to another. And that's what a lot of people assumed it was. Uh, I thought that's what trafficking was, you know, being transported from one country to another. But that's like one way. There's so many different ways. Like Captain Corpus was saying, there's so many ways that people get trafficked, you know, and it's like really good now that people are um, getting educated about it or getting educated about it and are um, learning the signs are learning what what trafficking is and what forms it comes in. And so in my experience, uh, you know, I grew up in a, in, bar- in a very abusive household. I had a lot of um, it was a lot of physical and sexual abuse that took place when I was growing up. So by time. I was 14. I, I was, I landed in the foster care system. And 
so by the time I was in the foster care system, I thought abuse, all of that, you know, physical, sexual, whatever. I thought it was all normal. You know, I thought it was okay. And I thought it was something like, I didn't know about consent or good touches or bad touches, you know? So eventually I ran, and this was when, when I was in Sacramento. So I was born in San Francisco, but I went to Sacramento, um, you know, from the age of four to 14. And then I came back to San Mateo, San Mateo County, San Mateo, San Francisco. And like I said, I was in the foster care system. I ended up running away because the foster care system I was in was uh, very abusive as well. And so I just didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe there. I didn't feel safe in the, in the house where I grew up in because the family, like I said, I was experiencing um, physical abuse. and I've also experienced sexual abuse. So I just didn't feel safe anywhere. And so eventually I did go to my dad's because he wasn't in my life like that. But at one point I was able to go to his place and my dad was an alcoholic. Like he wasn't able to meet my needs. By the time I got with him, at the age of 15, I was already like, you know, I had PTSD. I was very suicidal. I had anger issues. Like I just had a lot of stuff going on that a child, an adolescent needs a lot of resources around, you know, and none of the, none of those, the needs I had was met and none of them, uh, the situations I was going through was identified. And so that's why I was able to like, kind of like fall through the crack and, um, and I was a high risk for trafficking. But like, no, like I said, at that time, there wasn't no uh, training or education around it. So like I said, I was with my dad and he was, you know, an alcoholic. And so he wasn't able to help me. And so eventually I met an older man and he came in a disguise as a boyfriend. He came in as a father figure. He came in as my protector, you know, um, but in reality, he was a predator. He was a, tra he was a trafficker. And so, but I didn't know this. I just knew that this man I seen right in front of me was somebody that was going to really take care of me, like the way I wanted to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. And so I was 15 at the time. He was 27, but he told me he was 19. So I was very naive and I believed him. And so, and this is called Romeo and Pippin where it comes, they come in a boyfriend or girlfriend version. So where it's like a relationship, you know? And so eventually, you know, I went with him and I decided to just run away with this man because I wasn't happy at my dad's. Um, I wasn't happy to uh, being at my, my mom's house. Like I just didn't feel safe or protected anywhere. So I felt like being, I was safe in this man's arms, you know? So I ran away with this man and this is where the grooming process happened. The grooming process, the honeymoon phase and like the beginning stages of trafficking, what trafficking happens or when it takes place. And so he started to take me to hotel rooms. I've been to like a lot of hotel rooms with him where I was mm -hmm. loaded. I was on ecstasy and marijuana. So I, you obviously can tell that I was loaded. And so I would go up to the window with him and we will get a room. But at that time, the hotel, uh, you know, people that were working at the hotel, the front desk, they weren't able to notice what was going on with me. They weren't able to notice what was happening. They weren't, they didn't see the signs and I was mm -hmm. right in front of them, you know? So now that's why I do what I do because I want to educate people like, hey, we all, everybody needs to get trained. <laughs> everybody, like the emergency rooms, hotels. Mm -hmm. I want to see people at the grocery stores, people at the banks. Like we all need to get uh, trained, you know? on what to look out for in the red flags. And so, so basically when he was taking me to these hotel rooms, this is when he would, you know, have me sexually perform or he will, uh, you know, sodomize me. And so, and like I said, I couldn't consent because I was underage. First of all, second of all, I was uh, under the influence. So I couldn't consent to what was happening to me. And so, and I, I, I just couldn't remember, like I couldn't, it's, it's kind of like I couldn't uh, fight for myself. And so, but this was part of the grooming process. And so eventually he uh, will take me to, you know, downtown 16th Mission, 17th Cap and 20th Shotwell. And he would, uh, you know, take me to these areas and start having me hold on 
first it started on 60th Mission. So he would have me hold on to his drugs. I was kind of like a drug mule where I'm hiding drugs of areas of my body. And this is where I started training to, you know, do that. And so um, eventually he started to train me to look down on the floor. I couldn't look up. If I looked at any other man, that means that man was trying to take me from him. So I was his property. I only, I was, I was told to look down on the floor. And so this is just basically like the, the signs. Like when I was in, when I had probation and I had a parole officer, um, a lot of the officers thought that I was looking down on the floor because I was an addict or I was a criminal. Not, and they didn't realize it was obviously red, red flags for trafficking. So, uh, so basically that's where I learned to look down on the floor and I ended up meeting a female. He got arrested. He sent a female to me. I met a female and she was my second trafficker. So he was my first, she was my second. And that's where she started showing me the ropes to actually start putting myself out there, start selling myself to these Johns. And so, uh, and I didn't want to, but I had to, it was part of the rules of the streets, you know, it was part of surviving on the streets and these, and these, she was like in her fifties, she was an older woman, but she, at one point I believe she was, she was trafficking as well. Because eventually that's what ends up happening when a, when a female is like selling, like get into that scene and they're becoming the trafficker. At one point they were victim as well. And that's kind of like how I look at it because she didn't just learn it on her own. She learned it from somebody, you know, but that's where she started showing me the ropes and what to do. And she was taking half of my money. So then she was my second trafficker. And a lot of people can't comprehend a female being a trafficker, but it can happen. It can happen in both uh, genders. And so, uh, Eventually he got out. I told him what happened. He played the role, said, well, if you love me, show me, show me how much you love me. You did it for her. You can do it for me. But obviously they were tag teaming it because they were both from the same prison gang and they knew what they were doing. I was just really naive and I was 16 at this time. And so that's, they both started, uh, or well, she actually left, but then he started to put me out there again. And so, and I was getting sold to cars, to shacks, you know, to, um, on the mission, like on a uh, cab in uh 20th Shawwell in that area. So I was getting sold in these um, really ghetto apartments and these cars. And so, and I ended up picking up addiction on meth. I was hooked on meth when I, was, when I met Captain Corpus. My first interaction with Captain Corpus was in, um, in jail at the, it was on, wasn't it 1300 Maple Street, Captain Corpus? Yeah, it was the old, it was our, it was our original, the women's jail. Yeah. On yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So the old jail, um, the women's jail. When I, my first interaction with Captain Corpus, I remember Cause I used to ask her questions all the time because <laughs> I would like to ask her about my court, my, my cases, ask her what she thinks and stuff like that. And she always, she would tell me, she thought, you know, you have so much more potential than this. Like you don't need to keep coming back here. And it, but at the time I couldn't hear it. You know, I couldn't hear it because I was so broken. And I was like, I was still in that mindset of like surviving, you know, because I've been in jail many times and it, it really didn't hit me until my last arrest when I had lost my, um, I lost custody of my son. And so, and this was in 2011. And so, um, so I want to say that's when I, I had woke up, but when I met Captain Corpus, she was, we were talking about that. And there was times where I got into a fight. I remember being thrown in max security and she would come and talk to me like, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I'm just surviving. You know what I mean? Like I have it, like I had the mentality, like, well, I'm surviving on the streets. Nobody's going to punk me. I got to, I got to stand up for myself. It's just, it was just a lot, you know? But like when I met Captain Corpus, I was, you know, in and out of correction facilities. I was, um, I was on to my third trafficker. He was having me sell a lot of, uh, big amount of drugs for him. And I was getting arrested all the time with his drugs. And that's a, a form of labor trafficking where you're always in debt with somebody. Like you're doing the work, you're, do, you're working for somebody and you're in debt with them. So it's like, you can't get out of that contract or that job until you pay the debt off. And I was always in debt with this man. So, um, and that's, 
kind of like why I do what I do too, so I can bring awareness around people that, you know, female drug dealers or even male drug dealers that are running for their connect. They can't get out of it or they're having to hide or having to run for their lives because they're being threatened that they're going to get hurt. Like he threatened me all the time that he was going to hurt my, my dad because he knew where my dad lived or he was going to hurt me. So I was in this, in this cycle for years. And so, like I said, at, um, at 26, my last arrest, it was 2011. That's where I decided to turn my life around. And because I had lost my son, I was given an ultimatum. Like either, you know, we won't take you to go see your son and say goodbye to him before you take you in. Or, you know, we won't do that if you don't tell us who you're working for. So I had, I had to tell, like I told them who, who my trafficker was. Um, and then eventually took me straight to jail. They didn't take me to see my son, but I needed that. That needed to happen. Like I needed to wake up. And so, um, but now like I have 10 years clean, you know, I'm end up coming to uh, Sonoma County and I just literally changed my life around. <laughs> so, and so now like, like a captain Corpus was saying, you know, I seen her about four years ago and I just told her like, Hey, this was cause she didn't like, obviously nobody knew where I went. Or all of a sudden I just disappeared. And, you know, and, you know, people probably thought I was dead or something. And then I just came out of nowhere and <laughs> she was like, wow, where you been? And I told her, I was like, I'm in Sonoma County now. Like I, I'm in school. I'm, I got away. Like I had to get away from San Mateo, San Francisco to just come to Sonoma County and start over. And now I'm, yeah. I'm a full-time mom. I'm a full-time. I got my son back. Um, I received a governor's pardon from governor Jerry Brown, which is really hard. Um, Captain Corpus has supported me um, in a lot of uh, areas, you know, with platforms in San Mateo to speak my truth and to bring awareness because it is San Mateo can be bubbled, you know? And so bringing different perspectives, we need to wake it up. You know, we need to sh- let's bring more awareness around that and more resources for trafficking victims. And so, um, so, and, and, and now I, I co-founded me and my partner, Lisa McQuaid, we both co-founded a, a nonprofit called Redemption House of the Bay Area here in Sonoma County, you know, for trafficking victims to help them and eventually expand. And so, um, like Captain Corbis was saying, I'm in my master's program. Uh, I just graduated with my bachelor's. So now I'm getting my master's and I'm just doing what I'm doing to like reclaim my life, get my power back and show other victims that they can become survivors and they can turn it around and, and become successful. So thank you. <laughs> um, I, I thank you. Um, yeah. Please don't thank me. I, I am so inspired and appreciative and just want to acknowledge clearly how much work you've done. Yeah. I can tell from your honesty and reflectiveness and, and empathy and passion and just, you are incredible. I I haven't met you in person, but I am so glad that I got to meet you here on this platform and that you're willing to share what you've been through so openly. You are amazing. You're amazing. Thank Um, you. And I just want to put it out there too, for captain Corpus, like, like, a leader like her, because I'm telling you, because of that seed she planted, like I didn't realize it at the time that I, I had so much potential. But when she spoke to me, it, it kind of stuck with me, you know, like now I can, I can, I remember her saying that. I'm like, you know, she's right. You know, like years from now, when you plant that seed to somebody and they're in that life, eventually they're going to remember, you know? So I just want to put that out there that Captain Corpus, you know, is really, you know, I looked at her as a, a really good leader, like a huge leader in the community. Yeah. So I have two follow-up questions for you and you've kind of touched on both of them, but I want to just give you the opportunity to add anything if you want to add anything. So yeah. two, it's a two-part question. What is one thing you would say to law enforcement officers and correctional officers listening to this episode? Like, what would you want them to know moving forward about their interactions? Okay, so what I want um, law enforcement to know moving forward is to like when they come across a trafficking victim, 
that they feel like there might be some signs or they're high risk or whatever the case may be. Like, just dig deeper, ask questions, like get involved and see why they committed that crime or why they're in that environment. Like, let's, let's ask questions. And then once we find out the reasoning, let's offer them resources, you know? Yeah. And then my second question, which you've touched on a little bit, but why are you supporting Captain Christina Corpus for San Mateo County Sheriff? And what do you, what does she represent for you? So I'm supporting her, um, you know, being the leader or being uh, the sheriff of Sam Hill County is because she's, she's compassionate. Like she really needs to where you're at. Like she's not just talk and she's not just, you know, running for sheriff just to, you know, run for sheriff. Like she's doing it to help her people and help her community. And like in her being in my life when I was in the streets, you know, um, really, I can speak to that because she was actually there when I was going through it. And then where I'm at now and how she supports me on different platforms, like she's always wanting to support somebody. Doesn't matter where you're at in life. So she, I look at her as a great leader and I think she will be the, to me, I would definitely um, pick her to be sheriff. So like I said, she's not just talking, she's actually walking the walk and she wants better for her community. Yeah. Yeah. I lied. I have one more question for you. Where, if listeners want to get more information about your nonprofit, where can they find you? Do you have like a website, social media, anything like that? So um, if, if anybody wants to like connect with me, they can call um, for, or Redemption House of the Bay Area. They can look up redemptionhouseofthebayarea.org. So it's redemptionhouseofthebayarea.org. Great. And you knew, wow, you're a professional. You knew to repeat it twice on recordings. Look at you. <laughs> I had Thank to go to, you. I was say a lot of people don't know to do that, <laughs> but I will make sure yeah to um tag that website in the show notes of this episode so people can find it there as well thank yeah. you so much elizabeth i i think that was all the questions i had but i want to open it up both to you and christina any closing comments christina any reaction to her story or anything we want to end the episode with yeah. I, you know I, I just for anyone listening out there that has had a family member that struggles or that has struggled themselves know always remember that um, you can pull yourself out or you know people are there to help you and just remember that we all go through tough times but there's 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 always a way to pull yourself out of it and uh sometimes we need help so um, law enforcement is there to help and again um you know look forward to you know bringing more awareness to san mateo county about uh human trafficking and i wanted to thank you jacqueline and elizabeth specifically for you know, she says that, you know, I planted a seed in her, but she planted a seed in me that I needed to do better and I needed to get out there more and I needed to keep going and I needed to be the voice for the underserved and, and broaden my horizons and, and, and really be there for everyone in San Mateo County. And so, um, you know, thank you, Elizabeth, for being an inspiration to me. Thank you both so, so much for a fantastic episode. And I look forward to staying in touch with both of you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's conversation with Christina. Christina is happy to connect with you and answer any questions you might have. To reach Christina, you can find her on Instagram at Christina Corpus for SMC Sheriff, Facebook at Christina Corpus for Sheriff, or through her website, www.christinacorpus.com. That's www.christinacorpus.com. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.